Welcome to the Open Door Church podcast. Our prayer is that you will be encountered and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and challenged by the word of the Lord. May the Lord bless you and stir faith as you listen to this week's message. Uh, over the last number of weeks, we've been in a, in a teaching series called Heresies and Half-Truths where we've been walking through kind of dangerous teachings that have invaded modern evangelical culture. Uh, Things as a pastor that I have seen, trends that have been on the rise that seem somewhat harmless on the surface, but underneath I feel have the potential to be disastrous. We looked at everything from moral therapeutic deism to universal salvation. Uh, we, uh, We talked Uh, we kind of tackled the LGBTQ um, kind of issues and the church, uh, the church's response in affirming sinful lifestyle and really looked at these things from a biblical perspective. And then we moved into the realm of half-truths that Adam tackled last week in talking about uh, relationship and religion. It's not just a religion or it's not just a relation, not just a religion, it's a relationship. I can speak words sometimes, um, but it's been fun and it's been exciting because we've got to tackle these topics that I, I believe are important. Uh, some, one, some of them are somewhat controversial, um, but uh, definitely necessary for us to have a biblical uh, understanding of really what God says about these different things. And so that's kind of been our heart. That's been what we've been looking at doing, but as much as it's exciting, if you will, to really expose false doctrine, it doesn't do us any good if we just stop there, right? If we just highlight what's wrong without introducing what is right, it's kind of a futile effort. And I know that we've made a, uh, made a point and we've made it a, a kind of a, a, a real effort here as we're uh, highlighting these different things that we're not just on a witch hunt, we're not just trying to uh, just expose everything wrong, but without introducing the person of Jesus in the midst of these controversial issues, within the midst of these, uh, these teachings and these doctrines, um, we, uh, we're doing a disservice. And so in the midst of woke, watered-down Christianity uh, that we've kind of been walking through and we've been looking at and we've been exploring the different nuances of, what is the church's response what should our response be kind of collectively to all of it? Because there, there is one that I believe is of utmost importance. And uh, what the Lord really brought me to as I was wrestling with this, as I was wrestling with where to go from this teaching series. Because can I tell you, it was a little bit taxing. It was a little bit discouraging. And not just a little bit. It was a lot of bit discouraging. And it was borderline depressing for me as I was studying about all these kind of different trends within evangelicalism and how we're, we're just embracing everything these days. As a pastor, as someone who, who really wants to shepherd God's people, it was weighing heavy on my heart. And I was talking to Adam. I was like, man, I, I don't like preaching this. <laughs> like this isn't the fun stuff where I'm just excited to, to, to really dig into study and preach this because it's heartbreaking. And it's heavy when we really look at the state and the culture of the church at large, at least in our nation, it's, it's sad. And we've kind of been trying to tackle these things from that perspective. But 
I believe the, the only response that we can have is the response that uh, I believe has been commissioned to the church for the last 2,000 years, and that would be what Paul would describe as preaching Christ crucified. And that's what I want to talk about today. If there was a title to this message, I believe it's going to be three parts, so you can put part one. Don't hold me to that. Uh, it could be seven parts. It could be 17. We don't know. But I want to talk to you about the message of the cross this morning. Part one, Appendix A, however you want to do that. What are, it's fun. You see, I love listening to um, different Bible teachers, like for my own edification. And uh, there are a lot of uh, podcasts that I like to listen to of communicators that are just way more gifted than myself. And I know that Adam and I were having a conversation the other day. We listened to this particular church and these podcasts from these teachers out of Oregon. And they're just really good at communicating sound biblical truth. And, uh, you know, they're not like overly uh, energized or like uh, it doesn't seem like it's just their personality to be really uh, charismatic, I guess you would say. But they're solid and they communicate truths really well. And it's easy for me as a pastor to sit back and be like, man, I wish I could just preach like that guy. That's really good. And I, it really had me going uh, kind of on this developmental journey, if you will, as a Christian of recognizing. Um, I, I, I would like to say that I, I hope there's some sense of maturity that I've discovered uh, along these last number of years of following Jesus, where what once used to impress me doesn't really impress me anymore. And I say this in terms of ministers that I like to listen to and pastors that I like to follow and, and teaching that I like to sit under. Um, I think there was a point in time where the most charismatic or the most uh, just excited person could get me riled and filed, fired up, uh, regardless of if what they were preaching was actually the Bible. And I, and I think that might just be a sign of immaturity. It might just be a sign of being a new Christian. But I look back at a lot of the things that I used to hold in high regard as a young man that was just starting to follow Jesus, the things that got me excited about the Lord. And obviously, God can use anything. And he obviously used some of these messages and some of these teachers to really mold me and shape me into who I am. But nowadays, I am far more impressed if the Bible is just being taught simply than I am if it's over-the-top kind of crazy, in-your-face. Um, I don't want to use the term passionate because I believe you can be passionate and still teach the Bible, um, but just off the wall. Does that make sense at all? Are you guys tracking with what I'm trying to express here? I guess what I would say is that I'm far more impressed with preaching that is the Bible, even if it's not uh, as exciting than just stories that preach real well. I guess a good example of this is um, you know, I've had a number of people in the last number of weeks uh, tag me or send me a video of uh, a pastor. I, I believe his name is Dr. Gibbs, um, who is not just a pastor, but he's a minister and a lawyer. That uh, he, uh, There's a story that's viral on YouTube right now of, a, of this minister that was in Alaska, and he got on a plane. Uh, and the pilot fell asleep while he was on the plane. <laughs> he or not, didn't just fall asleep, he passed out. 
and uh, this, this, uh, this minister had to fly the plane back from wherever they were in Alaska back to Anchorage uh, solely by listening to the voice of the guy in uh, the control tower and land the plane on a landing strip. And the, the story is really fantastical. Like, it's, like, impressive. And the guy's a really good storyteller. And I'm sitting here listening to this, and people are tagging me in it. I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is crazy. Like, this story preaches really well. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking about it, like, man, this just is nuts. Who is this guy? Like, I've got to look this up. There's got to be, like, surely the local news did, like, a write-up on this incident because this is just too fantabulous to actually, like, go under the radar or whatnot. And, and long story short, uh, it never happened. This minister, uh, he specializes in coming up with stories that preach really well. Um, and he puts himself into these stories and passes them off as if they were true, as if it was him. Um, and it, it's got these, these pictures and these imagery that's really cool, but it, doesn't, it didn't actually happen. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like wrestling with the, the idea and, and you know, people are going to his defense saying, well, Jesus used parables and allegory and those things to get a message across. But the reality is, guys, the gospel doesn't need something added to it for it to be powerful. And I believe us, as men and women of God, we need to stop supporting teachers. We need to stop sitting under ministries. We need to stop regarding, uh, regarding people's personalities and their charisma and their story as more important or on a higher plane than the word of God. And I believe we are in danger of supporting and sitting under and propagating things that are not actually the gospel. And I sit here and think, man, this guy's a gifted communicator. He's a gifted storyteller. What if he would have actually just used scripture to get his point across? What if he would have actually just used scripture to tell a story? And I'm, I'm not saying that this guy is, is terrible or anything like that, but it, it really started stirring in my heart just the kind of the craziness of what we allow past for preaching in our culture. You know, we could just do TED Talks at that point, right? <laughs> And I think of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. You guys want to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1? We're going to hang out here just for a little bit today. I don't have a long message planned. I've just got something simple that I believe is important for us as the people of God. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17 says this. For Christ did not send me to baptize. And Paul was talking about how uh, he wasn't, like baptism wasn't his main point of ministry here. He did baptize people. Paul is not anti-Baptist here. Uh, he's not anti-baptism. He did baptize people. We're all for that. But he's saying more importantly that Christ sent me to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I want you to think about how strong of a statement this is coming from Paul the Apostle. I want, I want you to think about what we regard highly when we're looking for ministers of the gospel. When we see what's viral on YouTube and, and these things, especially in like Christian circles. And I'm not saying that eloquence, I'm not saying being well-crafted with your words is good. This isn't me just trying to like go two weeks ago and try to make up for the fact that I can't say covetousness. You guys see that? I got it. Woo! I want a gold star after service. 
Everybody that's visiting today is like, what in the world is he talking about? For like a, a good 30 minutes, I could not say the word covetousness. I just couldn't get it out of my mouth. And then I went home and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. This isn't, this isn't some kind of attempt to just go back on that and, and try to like give me a free pass for not being well versed with my words or something like that. This isn't me trying to deal with that. But I think what's scary here is that Paul says it's possible for the message of the cross It's possible for the gospel to be preached and it not be powerful. He's talking about the genuine message of the cross, which we're going to, he later defines the gospel as the message of the cross. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's possible to preach the gospel without the power. And that is scary to me. That That is underlying just bonkers for me to think, and I think we're in danger of many ministers, many churches across the world today preaching a gospel message that has been emptied of its power. And what empties it of its power is when we try to amend or supplement it with carnal things, when we feel like the gospel needs more added to it for it to be effective. When Jesus dying for our sins is simply not enough, we have to have a new twist or a new spin on it or something that is somehow more creative in order for us to to, to engage with it. Can I tell you, friends, the gospel is still enough. I'm not anti-creativity here. I'm not uh, anti-doing something unique in order to get the gospel message across. But when I feel like it's more dependent upon my ability and my talent and my effectiveness as a communicator than it is on the person of Jesus, I failed you. Because at the end of the day, as much as I'd like to be this next guy that's viral on YouTube and just really good at speaking and can really captivate an audience, I have to understand that it's not my charisma that keeps people close to the Lord. It's his word and his spirit that does so. And why do we have so many churches? Why do we have so many ministries that are kind of being exposed and falling apart on podcasts and, and documentaries and things like that? Is because they weren't built around the man Jesus per se, but they had too much, they had too much at stake within a man. If that makes any sense to you today at all. I believe that we need to keep Jesus the main thing. And let scripture speak for itself. The word of God is still powerful enough. If we look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, this is kind of the passage of scripture that we've been continually going back to as I've expressed my heart and really trying to highlight the the, the dangers of these heretical teachings and and these half-truths that we just kind of uh, swallow willy-nilly. And and, and it's it's something that I want to continue to come back to because it says here, this is Paul giving instruction to Timothy. He says, I charge you. It's not just, it's not he thinks it's a good idea or I encourage you or you might want to think about this. He's, he's saying, I charge you. He uses legal terms here. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. That is the charge that ministers have. 
That is the charge as your pastor that I have received from the Lord is to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season, to convince, to rebuke, to exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Friends, I want to take that call seriously today. I believe that the word of God, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is still Enough. We know that Hebrews 4.12 tells us that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word is still enough. Can I tell you honestly, as a preacher, this is a, this is a huge relief. Um, <laughs> You know how hard it is to try to come up with something fresh and new week after week after week? <laughs> I get to the place where I'm like, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm trying to hear from God and I'm spending time in prayer. Lord, what do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? It's like, I preached this last time and he's still telling me, preach it again. That's the cool thing about the gospel. That's the cool thing about the, the word of God is that we don't graduate from it, Right? I don't know if you guys, guys remember elementary school. How many of you guys went to elementary school? I'm assuming most of us here. Uh, if you didn't, I really want to hear your story. But uh, when they're teaching you like basic arithmetic and math, right, what do they do? They continually review and repeat the same things. You never graduate from 2 plus 2 equaling 4. That never becomes too basic for you to use day in and day out, Right? I remember being in geometry class and not having any idea what was going on because I didn't do any of the homework because I felt like I learned this once. I don't need to learn it again. I passed the test once, but once you get to higher levels of math, it builds upon the basic things and you never stop reviewing the basic things. You never stop using the basic things even as you progress in your knowledge, right? But yet so quickly in, in Christian circles and charismatics, we're the worst at it. Because we always want the new fresh revelation, right? We always have to have the newest word of the Lord or the deep secret meaning of some obscure passage of scripture that God gave you at 3 a.m. while you were eating pizza or something like that. I don't know. And if I'm being honest, I think a lot of us, and you know, I think of David. You know, I think of Psalm 119 where, where he, he, he asks the Lord to, to show us wonderful things in his law to reveal marvelous things in the word of God. You know, I think of Jer uh, I think it's Jeremiah 33. Uh, I might be way off base here. Uh, this wasn't in my notes, but where, it socks, where, where he says, uh, come to me and I'll show you deep and unsearchable things. Right? There, there, are, there are things in scripture to be revealed. There are, there are truths there that are only reserved for us as we come close. I'm not trying to discredit going deep into the word of God or anything like that. But the reality of it is the, the majority of us can't take scripture at face value and do what it says. Why in the world would he ever trust us with the deeper things of scripture? We're, 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 we're sitting here wanting to know like what is the, the secondary, third dairy, third dairy, I don't know, <laughs> meaning of take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me when we're not willing to do the first, on the nose kind of meaning, you know? 
Does that make sense? Paul talks about here that this gospel, he'll soon define it as the message of the cross. He says it doesn't need our help, our talent, or our ability to make it powerful. And I love how 1 Corinthians continues because it says not many of you were wise, not many of you were noble. It begins to take away the excuses for doing something for God. And this is something that you should find very encouraging here. Because you don't need to be gifted in any sense to communicate the gospel message. You don't need to be an eloquent speaker. You don't need to be the smartest person that ever went to Bible college. You don't need to have all of the answers to preach the profoundly simple message that Jesus loves you and he loves you enough to die for you. That's crazy. That, that, that message in and of itself, as, as complex as it could kind of break down and how we could talk about it for, excuse me, <laughs> can you edit that one out of the podcast, Adam? <laughs> Talking about being profound communicators here. <laughs> you can belch in the middle of your sermon talking about Jesus dying for sinners and God can still use it. Fun fact, one of my first times preaching ever I was with Adam. He's already given me the look like, don't, don't talk about this. Don't, don't share this story. Uh, we were at a little youth ministry in Rye, and I thought it was a good idea to eat Taco Bell for lunch before we went and did youth ministry. And, you know, it's a small room of like six people, and we're really close and intimate, and I'm trying to be passionate and preach the gospel of Jesus. And I mean, like every 30 seconds, I let one rip that was just disgusting. And it was terrible. And I was sitting here like, they didn't teach me for how to handle this in Bible college. I don't know how to respond. Do I just stop? Do I just end it? Do I keep preaching? It's so distracting. And evidently, I haven't graduated from that. We're still here discussing things. But I'm thankful. (laughs) I'm thankful this morning that it's not solely about my talents or my abilities. In fact, when I try to interject those into the message of the cross, we see the potential for it to lose its power. That's not here saying that God doesn't use gifted people. That's not here to kind of degrade the fact that, you know, you can't, that if somehow if somebody's really gifted at speaking and they're preaching the gospel, that they're not being used by God or that they're, uh, you know, you guys get what I'm saying here? There, there are obviously gifted ministers. There are people that are good at speaking, and they're not in sin just because they communicate well, right? You're tracking with me on that. That doesn't mean that the gospel is loosened of its power, but the reality is, is that it doesn't need me to add to it to make it effective. <laughs> you should find that encouraging. Because the power isn't in your ability to present it with wise and persuasive persuasive words, but in your faithfulness to simply present it. God isn't looking for just talented, gifted people. He's far more concerned on willing vessels. But we go on in 1 Corinthians, we get to verse 18. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those of us are being saved, it is the power of 
God. I've always loved this passage of Scripture. It was one of the first verses that I memorized as a young man. But I think it's, I think it's insightful for us to kind of break down what this verse is actually saying here. And the first thing that, that I would like for you to notice here is that there is a clear division that takes place within these words. It divides humanity into two distinct groups. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. There isn't some kind of middle ground for you to kind of figure things out here. But scripture is pretty clear that there are two distinct groups of people. Those who are either being saved through the foolishness of the message of the cross. (laughs) Or they are perishing. And the, disti- this, this, the distinction, the deciding factor on whether or not you're perishing or you're being saved is found there in this message of the cross and your response to the message of the cross. The fact that God would become a man. It's the good news here. It's that gospel that the Christ, the Messiah, God himself who was without sin, would die on our behalf and conquer death, raising again to life that we might be with him where he is. What we do with that ridiculous statement, God God himself calls it foolishness here in a moment. (laughs) What we do with that foolishness completely changes the trajectory of our life from whether we're perishing or whether we're being saved. You see, today, I believe you are either actively being saved or you're perishing. There isn't an in-between. There isn't some kind of deciding factor This just isn't left up to chance when you die. I believe that we're in either one of these two categories. And our response to the message of the cross, which we're going to go a little bit deeper into to this next week. I believe that it is left open to us as a decision on whether or not we respond to that invitation. Because God has made a way where there previously was no way. We go on and we read in verse 19 here. I'm going to kind of try to go quickly here. We read, for it was written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. He's quoting Isaiah here. He says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? They're all on TikTok right now, if you're curious. Has God God made foolish the wisdom of the world? I don't know about you guys, but I look at the wisdom of the world right now and what classifies as wisdom, and I find it pretty silly. Because right now the world says you can be whatever you want, whoever you want, and you can kind of just determine your own course of action, your own truth, your own destiny. And that is, uh, I'm saying that, You, you can choose your own gender, you can choose your own whatever, And that's the wisdom of the world. 
God's going to make it foolish. Praise God. Uh, For since the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Guys, I I am so tempted just to hang out here in these verses of Scripture and really break them down because there's so much crazy stuff we could talk about. And so, invitation, hit me up if you want to hear my full thoughts on these because I don't have time. And I told Tina I was going to do my best to focus in on verse 23. So I'm going to do that. Verse 23 says this, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. I need you to understand this, that the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ does not conform to cultural demands. Both the Jews and the Greeks wanted the message of Jesus to fit into their predetermined box of how they thought the Messiah should look. Or if the Messiah was worth following, it had to meet certain criteria. It had to make sense. In the, in, in the Jews, right, they were looking for a political upheaval. They were looking for a Messiah that would come and overthrow their political oversight. They wanted uh, freedom from Roman rule. They thought that the Messiah was going to be this military man that was going to lead in and lead them to a, a military victory, right? When they were demanding a sign, they were looking for a Jesus that fit the boxes of what they determined the Messiah should look like. Instead, he was crucified, right? Didn't add up to what they actually wanted, right? Uh, We look at the Greeks, right? They wanted somebody that would appeal to human reason and logic and philosophy. They wanted a gospel. They wanted uh, something that made sense to their carnality. And the reality of it is, friends, I, I could reason with you all day long and try to convince you that, you know, following Jesus just makes sense in terms of human thinking. But the reality is uh, a lot of the things that Jesus had to say really makes no sense if you want to advance your earthly kingdom and your earthly life. Um, you have to have different perspective here. So, so these things are obviously at odds, and we, and we see it kind of beautifully come together in this definition of we preach Christ crucified. I want you to think about the oxymoron of a statement Christ crucified is. Christ, right, being the Messiah, the definition of power, splendor, and triumph, the one that is going to be victorious, the one that is victorious, Right? We look at crucifixion, which was the epitome of humiliation. Talk about shame. Talk about defeat. Talk about weakness there. And that's the beauty of what we preach. That's that's the beauty of the foolishness there that God determined to use to confound the wisdom of this world is that we preach Christ, God himself crucified. The most powerful being in all of creation Beyond creation, right? I mean, I I don't even have the right words to even express that this morning. Dying because he loved you. Who, by even the most generous definition, really isn't deserving. It's scandalous. 
It's bonkers. It doesn't make any sense. Except for God so loved the world. How many of you guys know love doesn't make sense most of the time? I mean, look at Jill and Shannon. Come on, dude. <laughs> Jill was smiling at me before I even said anything. She knew it was coming. I got to stop picking on Jill. I'm sorry. Oh, not really. That was mean. I think you guys are awesome. And now I feel convicted. <laughs> I so wish that every church would just have this kind of, this desire that Paul expressed here to preach Christ crucified. I want that to be true of Open Door Church, that we preach Christ crucified. And I, I believe a lot of good ministries start out this way. I, I mean, I think, I look at what happens uh, with the Methodist church. You know, I look at how it started to where it is now and just wondering what happened. Like, wh where did things really begin to change and go south? And, and, I, and I think of, I look at these denominations that had fiery roots in revival and in the gospel and today are affirming everything and everyone and every sin that exists under the sun. And it scares me for the future of a lot of our churches. But I think it really begins with they stop preaching Christ crucified. We begin to take an axe at this statement. We begin to take an axe at this verse. And instead of, and it's this kind of trajectory that, that a, bunch of us, a bunch of churches follow and a bunch of ministries follow where it stopped preaching Christ crucified and now we just preach Christ. We preach Christ, the, the moral teacher. We preach Christ, the great man, the moral philosopher. We begin, to, we begin to degrade the message of the fact that God died for us until just like, man, he, was, he had some really good ideas. We stop embracing Christ crucified, and then we just preach Christ. And we stop, we, and we're like, well, you know what? Christ was a little controversial. We don't really know it, all, everything about him. Like, we believe that he exists, but you know what? We need to kind of embrace everything else that goes on. So we take the axe to, we no longer preach Christ crucified. We just preach. We preach whatever we want. <laughs> we preach whatever culture says we should preach right now. We should, we should talk about whatever is popular, and we should, we should be inclusive and tolerant and embracing to everything under the sun. We lose what makes us distinct as men and women of God. And when that happens, we stop preaching. We just exist. We're just we now. And it's just reduced to a social club. Just a gathering of people that have lost their reasoning for ever gathering in the first place. We can never graduate from the message of the cross. We don't get to something more profound. We don't get to something of a deeper revelation 
of a, a more glorious truth than that God died for us. Because when we do, when we deviate from that, I believe it's not too far before we wind up down a road where we're no longer preaching truth at all. Where Jesus no longer receives the glory and we become embracing of things that are contrary to his character and his nature. We wind up losing our way. I think it's for this reason that the early church dedicated themselves to the practice of the Lord's Supper and Communion. And we make it a part, we've, we've made it a part of every time that we've gathered to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And that's how I would so like to conclude our time together this morning of remembering the price that Jesus paid for you and I. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you want to check out more of our messages, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. Just search Open Door Pagosa. Our ministry is made possible by the faithful generosity of people just like you. If you were blessed by this morning's message and want to partner with what the Lord is doing in Pagosa Springs, find us at opendoorpagosa.com. Here you can give and stay connected with everything we are doing as a church.